Uh, welcome everyone. And um, I feel bad. Uh, hopefully whoever's not here typically will we'll get to share. This is just a very powerful end to, to Precious. Uh, he ends in really a, an incredible way. We're gonna get to it very soon. Uh, but I think this is almost like one of the most, we've said this many times, it's like, you know, must, a must read. You have to, you have to hear this, you have to see this. You should, you know, um, blow it up and put it on, on the walls and, you know, look at it every day. It's this kind of a sort of an ending, um, tonight. So we are at the very last Peric of Precious, Peric Zion. We, he started saying something really fascinating last time that we met regarding the idea of, you know, why we need Precious, why the Torah is calibrated in a way that we don't get overly involved with physicality because we can't handle too much physicality. And that's where the Torah tempers our lives in a way that allows us to be finely balanced. In the olden days, before the Torah was given, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, they didn't need this sort of balancing act. They were able to, to navigate uh, a close rela- relation with that Kodesh Baruch Hu, a very clear understanding of who they were and what priorities in life were all about without temptations sort of pulling them uh, in the wrong direction. Uh, and then he said, but then we went down to Mitzrayim and in Mitzrayim, we started getting overly involved in the physical world. And that required more guidelines to try to keep us on the straight and narrow. Okay, now we're up to Vakasha Kofshu. So I have it on, again, page Shin Yud, but it uh, could be could be different pages. It's um, basically one, two, two and a half or five sides or two and a half pages before the end of Shah Precious. So that's uh, that's what we're holding right now. And let's proceed, Bez Hashem. And the next stage of Klai Yisrael's development was when they conquered Eretz Yisrael and they entered it. They started benefiting from the, from the joys of Eretz Yisrael, from the goodness of it. And they started looking for additional uh, benefits uh, things that, in addition to what they needed, they were now looking for things that they desired. Okay, uh, besides the food and drink, for example, Noshim, Ubatim, women, different, obviously different types of relationships and, and the fancy homes. The more that they became entrenched in inhabiting Eretz Israel, Godal Churban Sichlam Yoser, the great to that degree, there was a korban, there was a devastation to their intellect. And as the Pesach warned us, uh, lest you eat too much and you become satiated. You're going to build fancy homes, you're going to dwell in them. And you're going to have a lot of cattle and, uh, and flock. And you're going to have a lot of gold and silver. Okay, and everything that you own will become increased. And as a result, you will have an elevated heart. And you will forget, your God. These are things that easily 
can happen uh, when we become blessed with, with physicality. Okay, and uh, I feel bad I forgot to mention, but uh, it's certainly not too late to say that this year tonight is dedicated Lila Nishmas Rachel Vas Eliyahu, as well as Lila Nishmas Mordechai Ben Daniel, which of course is this entire Shia was really created uh, in his chus and Hashem every time uh, we learn the Shem Shav and Aliyah. So, um, okay, so we're learning for those two. We just, I'm sorry. Um, just have to answer a school question right now. Let's take a minute. Not even. Okay, so 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 even so things got worse as we became more and more blessed. Ironically, things became more difficult for Klai Yisrael because they fell more and more into the trap of the physical world. Uh, the more the more that their desire became that much more intense for these physical things, their intellect became that much weaker. So the direct proportion to how much we value the physical world, that's how much we became uh, insensitive to the importance of the spiritual world. We became less able to give ourselves the, the uh, wisdom and the counsel to be able to make the right decisions. We, we became sort of uh, misdirected in terms of the proper path. So as a result, we needed even greater precious. So, in other words, you, the more you go one way, if you want to bend it back to the middle, you got to go the other direction. Otherwise, you get too overwhelmed. So, there was a need to counter the overindulgence of the physical world. When we were in Eretz Yisrael, as we get, became more, you know, more and more entrenched and spent more years there, we had to go even stronger in the precious direction. In order to hold a position of strength against against the uh, passions that existed at the time, like becoming a nazir, which certainly is one of the ways that the person moves themselves away from the physical world, uh, and also the ways that the neviim did, they went into isolation, they did a lot of his like we mentioned in the earlier parak, just some weeks ago. And the same thing is true for other generations. The intellect is in a weak state. It's not strong. We don't have a strong spiritual sense of right and wrong. And, of course, and unfortunately, the taiva is what's getting stronger and stronger. And as, as we see, unfortunately, as the years uh, go on and uh, there's more and more of a you know physical focus certainly you know America has incredible opportunities for the Jewish people and it's been unbelievably kind to the Jewish people but it's also been it's been extremely uh, difficult you know uh, from the point of view of sucking us in to to uh, areas that uh, maybe otherwise you know we didn't have those temptations in Europe when things were very different that's one of the reasons why back in the 1800s many people didn't they didn't want to go. And many Gedolim discouraged people from moving to America, even though from the uh, 
you know, physical dangers was probably a lot safer, but from the spiritual realm, it was certainly a lot more dangerous. So, you know, this is the ongoing battle that we have in terms of uh, staying on the straight path and not sort of falling into that uh, uh, abyss of materialism, which, which blinds a person. He says, therefore, it comes to the point that we're at, and this was written hundreds of years ago, and how true you would say this is today, uh, for sure, um, certainly is true, if not more true than it was then. He says, to every matter that we deal with in this world, that we involved ourselves with, and we sort of make that a focus, that removes our, our uh, focus and our thoughts from the spiritual realm and eternity. So you have to really make a choice. So you're going to be absorbed with, with this world, or you're going to be absorbed with the next world. And therefore he says, When we are doing something related to spirituality, we have to get all of the other stuff out of our minds. We have to clear our minds and focus ourselves in the right direction. Because otherwise, just a natural pull of the pressures of, you know, jobs and different responsibilities. But it's certainly now with COVID, it's, you know, the, the challenge has gotten that much greater in, 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 in that regard, because there's another whole other layer of concerns that we have on our heads. So we really have to do a tremendous job of sort of getting everything else out and focusing on spirituality when it comes our way, when those mitzvahs come our way. Uh, was again one more time. Right? When we're doing something of a spiritual nature, we have to try to get all of the other thoughts out. This was not necessary for the earlier tzaddikim. They were able to manage differently. Because of the strength of their intellect. With Taras Nafshem, the purity of the soul. They were able to manage almost simultaneously. They were able to, to uh, live in both worlds and focus on both worlds without a real problem. Okay, because they all meshed, it was all one goal. And as he said earlier in the safer that in the, in this in this area of precious, that uh, really in a perfect world, the, everything of the physical realm would be directed uh, towards the spiritual. We need to do certain things, we need to be involved, but doesn't it doesn't have to take us away. But unfortunately, the weaker we've become, uh, the more that's been a problem. And really, in the olden days, one did not necessarily destroy the other. The other. Your father ate and he drank, and at the same time was able, was able to do righteousness and stucker mishpatit stucker and and, um, and and judgment and justice. Oz tovlo. Then it was good for him that people were able to do both. The Yemio says. And also, as the Apostolic says, It's good if you grab this and do not leave the other. Meaning, again, both worlds, the world of physicality versus the world of spirituality, in a perfect world, they could live together. 
and you could have both of them. But unfortunately, when if you're not strong, the physical, the physical pulls you in and sucks you in to the point where this is what you go after. So you have to resist. You have to see the, the danger and, and fight the temptation. And that's where Precious, to a great degree, fits in. And then we end with something very, very passionate and very uh, powerful. So, Vrisi see my brother, he says. I'm going to now present to you a very strong and beautiful rebuke, admonition, musr, call it what you want. It's, it's, a, it's a message from a father to a son about the importance of life, about what's important in life, but what you need to focus in uh, during uh, one's lifetime. And uh, he says to us, as a Tzavoy, it was, it was a, basically a sort of a last will to his son. Because I found tremendous chain in this letter, uh, I decided to put at the end of this particular gate of precious. I chose it as opposed to giving all of you, he says, tochacha and adrach of my own, where I would have chosen my words, I decided I'd rather choose his words. Havenosa, think about it, analyze it, delve into it. And you'll reach with it the proper path, and the goodness with the help of HaKadosh Baruch and this is the language of this particular chassid writing to his son and everything till the end of the chapter and the end of uh, Shah Prishas is exactly that. It's a letter of a father to a son. And it's quite, it's eloquent. Uh, it's, uh, in, you know, a, a lot gets lost in the translation. This is actually a third translation. Okay, so it's already translated to Hebrew, Hebrew into a more simple Hebrew. Now I'm trans- translating into English. So, you're not going to get the full flavor and power, but we'll do the best we can. Um, you, my son, please, should should see fit to put your place amongst those who listen to rebuke and desire it. You want to hear feedback. You will. You want to hear criticism. If it's constructive, if it's well-meaning, we should want to hear it. And you should weigh it. And you should come to the proper conclusions as a result of it. And you should act as a, as a result of, of this uh, admonishment and um, rebuke that you're getting. and Or maybe even instruction is a better word. The rebuke, rebuke has a sort of negative connotation. It doesn't have to be so negative. It's just, it's instructive. Please, he says, should not place you amongst the people who are drowning in the nets of confusion, who are drunk with the wine of foolishness, where the Yitzhahara turns people into slaves, with this world totally rules over them and has control over them. 
Shatarvos his gabrualeim, where man's desires overcome them, Shatanugim hitoasam, and the pleasures misdirect them, and the, the, uh, or direct them in the wrong direction, Shatshukos pitoasam, the things that we long for, the desires that we have, seduce us into, into a bad place, Shachem de Sisosam, man's lusts and desires uh, turn them away and move them in, into a wrong direction. They trip up in their darkness. They are trapped. They're trapped in the, in the routine of their constant errors, uh, sometimes even unintentional, but they're, they're just trapped in, in constant mistakes. These people listen, they hear the rebuke, they hear the, the instruction, but they don't really listen to it. They don't really internalize it. They say it's good to serve God, but they don't do this. They don't, they don't actually follow through. They pay lip service to it. They desire to relax, but they're forlorn. They fall into states of anguish and despair. They want to, to gain pleasure in this world. But all they get are very great affliction. Their soul is worn out. And their bodies are tired. Their intellect is empty. And their understanding is ravaged. They gather gold that will ultimately be lost from them. They amass all this money, and it's gone. And they amass silver that's going to end up in somebody else's hands. And in fact, what could happen and what does happen is sometimes you end up inheriting it and giving it over to your enemy. Or to women who are treacherous, or women who are who are not loyal. And ironically, that who you don't want to give it to, they're the ones who end up with it. They work their whole lives to establish fancy palaces, even though they know full well that in the end they're going to be six feet under in, in the Eden or Mount Sinai. And what's all the work for? They build buildings for, the, for them, where, which is very possible they will never even enter into them. They gather money that they'll never spend. Think of somebody with $50 billion. What do you do with $50 billion? Like just the number just doesn't even, you can't, you can't even compute it. You can't even calculate it. You're going to spend $50 billion? Like, but you know, that's... That's what you're involved in. That's what you're immersed in. Each one of these people see that there are people older than them, and people younger than them. They're dying in front of their eyes. People, whether they're older or they're younger, you see what happens to them. But despite all that, they don't do things that are eternal. With all of the clarity that they see and all they understand, all that they understand, they're not focused in eternity. They're focused in in uh, passing uh, 
ephemeral types of endeavors that just come, they're here one day and they go on the next. They forget their, their limited time here in this world. And all they, all they remember is, is what, they, what they want, their desires, their physical inclinations is what really uh, takes up their mind, their thought process. Ask yourself, say to yourself, what an incredible way of saying, what value is there to something that the two ends of that item, of that endeavor, doesn't stay, get lost. One more, I'll repeat that again. It's an incredible way of looking at, at life. And uh, we'll, in the bottom, he explains what, what the message here is. What value is there for something where the two ends, the beginning and the end, are lost from it, and only the middle remains. And what he explains is, when we were born, where do we come from? We're that amazing little uh, drop uh, of, of sperm, how in the world did it come into forming a baby nine months later in this woman's womb? How did that happen? That child came from the spiritual world, was given in a shama, and was sent down here on earth. So here, and, and what happens at the end, that neshama, after 120 years, passes from this world over to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in, in, in that same world where it started from. So this person's beginning is Olam Abba, and his end is Olam Abba. And does it make sense that we should spend our entire lives, the middle of our lives, not thinking about the beginning, nor thinking about the end, but just focus on the middle? What sense does that make when really our essence is what we, where we started from and where we're going to? What kind of value? Where's the chance of a person being successful if there's an infant whose parents just leave them on the, you know, on the side of the road? They just have forsaken them. What chance does that child have of surviving? None, right? A child who's an infant, who's six months, three months, there's no chance. And that child, by definition, needs the parents to keep them going. Otherwise, they're, they're gone. So if we're going to forget the life spring of what makes us tick, which is spirituality and a relation with our Kodesh Baruch Hu, what, what are our hopes? How are we going to survive? How is it going to work? What's that going to happen? So he has two very, very interesting ways of looking at a person's focus on materialism and giving up all of the spirituality. Uluma said to contrast all the darkness that he just has been speaking about, Contrast that he says, Why don't you focus, my dear son, on the virtues, the great virtues of people people, have, people who have been given by Akadosh Baruch Hu, and of course they needed to work for this, but Akadosh Baruch Hu blessed them with a broad view of the world, a deep understanding of what's going on. And they have control over their thoughts. They make sure to look for things that are good for them. And, um, and uh, through their efforts, they see the, and they're shown the proper path. 
and they and they get close to it. They're confident that others won't damage, won't do damage to them, won't hurt them. And others are confident that they will not damage the other people. So they have relationships that are comfortable and trusting. These people live in peace with everybody. They have no matters, no fights, no disagreements, no wars with anybody. Please take a look. Take a look how the people who are immersed in this world deal with the Eitzahara. The Keitzah Tadikim Eila Oivdemis And how these other people, the Tadikim, while they're worshiping this, this world, these Tadikim are worshiping Al Kadish Baruch, the God of heaven and earth. Hamachayah, Hamemis, who gives life and who takes life. Habore, who creates. Harachim, who's compassionate. Asher'enol Kami Beladov, there's no other God. But, but our God. So look at the contrast of, of who these people worship and who the tzaddikim worship. So pick up your eyes and see. Look at the incredible different distance between the people of this world who are focusing on, again, materialism versus these tzaddikim who are focused on eternity. Ashatiru es matzpunam. They've purified their insides. And their inner essence has been refined. Their eyes do not covet. Their hearts do not worry. They're constantly yearning and connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Even when they're alone, they spend their time in a sense of, of bonding with Hashem. They thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu profusely on the goodness that he does. In any condition, any situation that these people are in, they're always thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for their situation. Recently, just uh, uh, trying to remember a little more details, but um, Somebody, I think the story was that somebody didn't have a child for many, many years, and um, they went to a tzaddik, and um, and uh, maybe even it was you know, nowadays, and could be the person who's written a lot of books in Amuna, and he says to them, you have to spend every day thanking Kodesh Baruch Hu for not giving you children, because if you really understand the Ches Hashem, okay, and you appreciate the matzah that you're in, that's the way for you to. Because Baruch Hu decided to maybe change that matzah. I think that's what happened. The person started constantly thanking Akash Baruch Hu, even though it runs counter to your to your uh, you know sense of what's right. I want to have children. Well, okay, it's good. It's a mitzvah to have children. It's a beautiful thing. But at the same time, if right now you don't have, thank Akash Baruch Hu for what you have. No matter what situation you're in, thank Akash Baruch Hu. I'm alive. You've given this because this is what I need and. And that is the greatest impetus to develop a change in your situation, but not because you really want it, because you truly have to recognize that if this is where Akash Baruch Hu puts me, this is what's right for me. These people achieve relatively with ease the, all of the elements of wisdom. So how poetic they, uh, Akash Baruch Hu rips for them 
from in front of their eyes the curtain of foolishness. That, uh, that sometimes prevents to see the right hand for people who want to do the right thing. So he removes any, any masks, he removes the curtains, removes any impediments, and people are able to see straight. And uh, that's really, you know, with these great tzaddikim, everyone said they just had a different sense of vision. It, it really sort of emanated from their complete involvement in truth and always recognizing the truth and they're being therefore blessed with a vision that was different than everybody else's vision. They reach true menucha, menucha, contentment, uh, calm, serenity. Through their efforts in serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's also to a certain serenity that we see. We see the great tzaddikim and tzaddikim of Klai Yisrael, that no matter what situation, there was a certain menuchas and nefesh, a certain simcha that guided their lives, no matter what their conditions. Through their menucha, their menuchas and nefesh, their ability to be calm and, and have bitocho, they were zocha to have this incredible, sweet relationship connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, their yearnings did not allow them to remove their focus on serving the fact that they might have lived long and you know have a lot of years ahead of them that did not cause them to say I got plenty of time they grabbed the opportunities each and every day that it was given to them. They didn't sort of say, I got plenty of time to do this and plenty of time to do that. No, they grabbed it and they uh, they, take full, they took full advantage of every single day. They, and they did not push off the responsibility to a later time. They work with zealousness towards the day of death. As I mentioned before, many tzaddikim, they, they were not sure how long they're going to live. They might have maybe thought they had a lot of years, but the the Pirkei says, no. says, you, you know, you always have to live today like it might be the last day. So you have to live it to the fullest. So they they were misdares. They they worked with great alacrity towards that day of death. They didn't know when it was going to occur. And they were also very careful about what's going to happen after death. So they made sure that they had the proper provisions to, to uh, enter into the next world with what they really needed. They would call out and they would, ser- they would uh, search him. And they would rely on him. They would, uh, they would do, do, do mitzvahs and they would be servants to him. They would speak the truth and speak righteousness. They weren't afraid of governments and then kings. They weren't afraid of governments nor was the Sutton able to control them. They are the most beloved and most valued uh, people in the world. He would watch them much more than he would watch anybody else. He would watch over them. And that their glory and their elevated state would be seen uh, over everybody. They they would be honored in the in the uh, places of davening, the places of learning, 
They will be considered recognized and great in the eyes of, of all creatures, all, all, all people. Even if they were busy or they had some issue that come up, it would never dissuade them and discourage them. From remembering Hashem. There will be nothing that could prevent them from praising and thanking Akash Baruch Hu. Their language was constantly praising and thanking And their hearts were pure and clean from any type of negative feelings, emotions, and thoughts. Now this world, it gets again very poetic. This world sort of um, appears before them. And so the dancers in front of them, they they try to trap them in, in the trap of, of what this world has to offer. But, but these people recognize the deviations, they recognize the tricks and the shenanigans. And they're not, they, they don't fall into the temptation of what this world very often offers us. And plus they tell other people as well, the tira or some, and they try to explain to other people, don't fall into this trap. Don't be enamored with all this craziness and all this uh, glitz and glamour that's shallow and that's empty and doesn't do anything. And yet we see so many people that it, uh, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard. It looks so alluring when really when you have clarity of thought, it's not alluring at all. What, what, what do you gain from all of the glitz and glamour? Do, do we recognize how many, how much depression is there behind all those Fancy walls are those fancy palaces in, in Bel Air and Beverly Hills, and yet, you know, somehow we're we're just so enamored, and we have to develop that clarity to not be enamored and to help others not be enamored. And the deception is not. I'm sorry. The treachery of the world's situations are not. Um, hidden from them. They, these people recognize fully what, what the world is about. But it's Shemahem Armaso, nor the deceptions and the, uh, the uh, type of, you know, trying to outsmart, trying to set uh, traps for people. Uh, these people understand it full well, what's, what's in store and what, what they're trying to do. The world appears like all is fine and dandy and why don't you just join us? But in these people's eyes, they see through it. I'm not going to fall for your tricks. I'm not going to fall for your invitations to come into my world and let me uh, let me be part of that world. They recognize its lack of value. When the world sees that, you know, with, I guess when he uses the word the world, he, rep- he means the representation of physicality and all of the the anti-religious types of values that the, this world presents um, through the HR and through uh, other societies. He says, um, when, when they see, they're not going to win with this individual. So then it sort of uh, tries to present a negative look. So who are you? And you know, now you're sort of a persona non grata. The say of Lefranes or some. Okay, so maybe you know the world will try to put 
you through some tough times for you to recognize, well, you know, you better, you better join the party. You better be like us because otherwise you're not going to be, you know, uh, very much respected. And you somehow feel, oh, my gosh, I better, you know, get with these people because otherwise uh, how am I going to be uh, able to uh, be accepted? But these sadiqim don't fall into that into this trap. Don't worry. I, I got your number. I see straight what you're trying to do. It ain't going to work. Because I don't need the shallowness that you're presenting. And I'm not going to be impressed by what you're trying to sell. These sadiqim and sadkanios know in the end, I will get what I'm supposed to get. And, and uh, the world will give me whether you like it or not, what I need. And without even extra effort, Akash Baruch is going to take care of me without me doing above and beyond. I'll just do my Ishtalas. Akash Baruch will take care of me. I do what I need to do. <coughs> when the world sees, my gosh, even this is not working. How am I going to get this person to buy into, into our craziness and shallowness? Well, now we it switches. Let me try to be real sweet. So now you become very successful and you'll be given wonderful benefits. Like this, like the Eitzahara trying to maneuver one way or the other. But again, the, the Tzaddik will reject you. will see through you. You will not be, you'll not be impressed by the, uh, the temporary blessings of physicality are not good. Baruch Hashem. So I, I have, I have Baruch Hashem Sampranos. That's great. But I'm not going to let that become now my new, my new Avodah Zorah some love. He wants to move the Sadiq towards them. But they move away. I want no part of you. The Amdu Atalus of Aram. They stand clearly seeing through the, the allure for, for the wickedness of what they really are. They vinu es masav and I totally, they totally understand the repulsive acts that take place in the guise of all things. And boy, if we look around the world today, boy, could we see this really, really repulsive things going on that are couched in civility and they're not civil at all. And it's quite scary. But that's a whole other story. But that's the way the HR operates. And many, many times HR has people representing it that, um, that are wearing nice suits and, uh, Talking the good talk, but they really—if you—if you listen to them carefully, you see they're just trying to move move you into a very negative direction. Okay, the 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 world can't exercise control over these people. There's no way they can get close to them. These people are the chosen, special, holy people of Hashem. And they are his beloved saintly people. They are the they own or the masters of very wise eyes. They see deep and they understand. And they have yearnings for lofty levels. And they do beautiful deeds. And they they are constantly sort of moving and uh, focusing to get close to Kodesh Baruch Hu. And Akash Baruch Hu allows them to be successful to reach that level and to get close to them. He does business with them and they prosper. He helps them purify their 
their entire being and they become tahor, they become pure. He cleans their, cleanses their hearts and they become purely cleansed and polished. They are totally entrenched in, in fear and awe of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. With the, um, uh, they infuse themselves with your Shemayim. If any, any Yetzirah comes along and tries to get them to go in a negative direction, they're able to stand up. They run away from it. Because their good deeds leads them straight into Olam Haba. Bo Pokshu Simcha Tamidis. There they meet eternal happiness. The Sasa Nitzchi. And an everlasting level of joy and rejoicing. And when they go into that tribunal up there in that heavenly court, the Bezim Shalmaila, they walk out clean and pardoned and ready for the next step. They have, they're not afraid of that Bezim because they spent their lives in this world doing the right thing. And even though they're standing there with a Din V'cheshbin, they go out Bishalom. They go out in total peace. And they spare themselves the pain of Gehenna because of the incredible lives that they led here on earth. And therefore, my son, please choose for yourself good. Before you re- regret that which is completely non-beneficial. And before you end up regretting eternally the mistakes that you might make if you don't follow this incredible path of Torah and Yerushalayim. Ad kan This is up until this point. Is this tava? Is this letter that was sent by this chassid to his son, basically uh, admonishing him, encouraging him, and... Uh, Really doing whatever, cajoling him, whatever he, uh, he can do with these inspirational words for the for his son to grab the opportunity that he's been given and not fall into the trap of the physical allures of this world. With his great compassion and his abundance of kindness, should teach us and you the proper path. And he should guide us in the path of, of uh, success and of being saved, of redemption and all, all good things. Amen. And with that, we say amen. And with that, we finish this incredible gate called the Gate of Precious. Okay, Baruch Hashem, perfect timing. Um, we're now ready for the last uh, shar called Shar Avas Hashem. Um, very exciting that we're embarking at the very end of the and it is safer, and the promises I'm sure to be a very fascinating gate. And uh, thank you so much all for being here. And um, yeah, these are words we should really take to heart and probably learn it more than once.